Hello, bonsoir, and welcome to the Get French Football News Show. I'm your host, Nathan Staples, and joining me this evening are um, Eric Devine and Philip Bargio will be joining us a little later on. Uh, after some technical difficulties cut us short last week, and um, get yourselves prepped for a bumper show tonight. We look back at week, li- uh, week 12 of the Ligue 1 season, which was jam-packed in itself, while also having a look at this week's international football. It's a real feast for the years, but before that, here's the latest headlines. France won their qualifying fixture this weekend. This week, apologies, against Sweden, despite going behind due to an Emil Forsberg goal. Paul Pogba and Dimitri Payet pulled the win back for France, who sit atop of their group on 10 points, three points ahead of both the Netherlands and Sweden. They followed that up this evening with a nil-nil draw against Ivory Coast. That's despite debuts for Sebastian Corsier and for... Um, Thomas Lamar. There we are, Thomas Lamar. Sorry, I've not had it written down. But also for, um, full debuts in, in, from the start for Usman Dembele as well. Um, we move on now to Liga news. And match day 12 got off to an entertaining start as Montpellier rolled over visiting Marseille 3-1 behind Araya Boudibou's brace. The Algerian has now netted four goals in his last two league outings. In the early match, On Fire Monaco continued their torrid pace, thrashing Nancy 6-0 with braces from inform Radamel Falcao and Guido Carrillo. In the multiplex, Angers striker and new father Faramad Diedou scored the match's only goal to lead the hosts over Lille 1-0, while Bordeaux won 2-1 against Lorient despite a howler from Jerome Prior as Diego Roland's superb overhead kick saved the hosts' blushes. Leon struggled to break down Bastia at home, but came away with a 2-1 win. The first time they have won two in a row since August, as the visitors finished with nine men. At Nantes, the hosts got a last-ditch equaliser from Marius Stepinski to earn a one-all draw against Toulouse, who had led through Martin Braithwaite's first half penalty. That wasn't the only late drama on the Saturday um, previous week, however, as Gangomp came back from 3-1 down to earn a point at Dijon. On the Sunday of that weekend, Caen recorded the weekend shot result as Ivan Santini's penalty being the only goal of a match as the host held off previously unbeaten Nice. Saint-Étienne looks to have a winnable match on their hands against uh, ahead of a challenging visit to Nice in a fortnight's time. But a pair of rash tackles saw Usama Tanan sent off at Metz, Lever doing well to earn a scoreless draw. And finally, Paris Saint-Germain initially struggled to break down Rennes in the late kickoff last Sunday, but a Gelson Fernandez own goal set them on the way to a 4-0 victory to move within three points of leaders Nice and level on points with Monaco. In Ligue 2, goals were at a premium during that weekend, but the top four sides Brest, Reims, Le Havre and Troyes all won to keep the top of the table unchanged. And that's all for the news, but remember, for all the latest headlines, head on over to our website at www.getfootballnewsfrance.com or follow us on Twitter at GFFM. We start this week with the international break for Les Bleus that fit in one friendly and one qualifier but let's start with tonight's game with Ivory Coast Eric and it was a relatively unremarkable game in the end what did you think to their performance and for the debutants in this one it was a little bit disappointing I think that it was exciting to see 
Robbie will get his first start, and I, I think he showed good energy and good drive. Uh, I think a lot of the play was going through him rather than Pogba, uh, which was a bit of a surprise in the way that France had set up their midfield. Uh, so he did well, and Conte did well as, as well. I think he showed that he should probably be a regular starter, uh, no matter what the formation, Conte that is. Uh, but the rest of the team is pretty lackluster. Uh, Paye and Gamero did a lot of running, but there wasn't a whole lot of quality. Uh, Paye set pieces were not... Well, what they could have been, perhaps, and uh, Dembele, I think, was was really poor in, in the half that he played. I think he had one good chance cutting inside, but for the most part, his delivery was poor. He looked sort of um, lost on that right wing. Uh, given his propensity to cut inside, I, I think that that right wing position, if France are going to offer a more attacking option, Dembele as opposed to Musa Sissoko or Nabil Fekir, say, uh, they might be better suited with a, a more orthodox winger. Uh, this is the kind of match that I would have really loved to have seen a Kingsley Coman in uh, to stretch the field a little bit more. Uh, defensively, the defense was pretty sound. Uh, I think Dina uh, probably had the better of him uh, taken by uh, Serge Aurier in his runs forward. Uh, but a right back, uh, Jibril Sidibe, who I think had a pretty poor match against Sweden, looked really much improved. And uh, Costil was surprisingly strong. Uh, he came up with a at least two strong saves uh, that I can recall uh, to keep the match scoreless. So uh, definitely showing that he may have stolen a march there on Areola as that third choice um, for the time being, at least. Yeah, and, that, and that's one of the points I want to make. There was a, a number of changes in this one compared to the Sweden game, especially giving some youth players their chance like Rabiot and Dembele and, and Dean. And, and well, although he's not quite as young anymore, Costil. Have any of them really cemented their mark of being in the squads in the future? Is there anyone that still needs a lot of work? Or is do you think that um, the one that he selected for this current international break is the one that we'll probably more likely see going forward uh, other than maybe a Lacazette or a, or a Coman when fit? Yeah, I, I think so. I think that Rabiot, as, again, as I said, really impressed. I think that uh, the versatility and the dynamism that he shows uh, – not only tactically, but positionally, I think he really needs to be included in this squad. I mean, this is the thing. It doesn't come down not only to talent. If you're on equal equal grounds in terms of talent and ability with another player of a similar age and a similar point in one's career, uh, if you are Adrian Rabio, if you're able to play as a, as a holding midfielder, as a central midfielder, uh, or even or even getting forward a little bit more as he, as he sometimes does with PSG, uh, that, for, that amount of versatility is going gonna, is gonna to be fantastic. He might regret uh, he had a, a good chance from a corner very early on, I think in the third or fourth minute, and, and headed wide. But uh, other than that, I think it was, a, it was a pretty accomplished performance for him, given how, given how lackluster uh, Pogba played. Rabiot was really taking the brunt of uh, moving the ball forward from defense, and I think he turned in a really accomplished performance. I think that he should be absolutely a part of this France squad going forward, barring injury. Yeah, and uh, thinking – sorry, carry on. I'll, uh, I was just going well, to say – the player who did disappoint, I think, I think might uh, be certainly at risk of not being a part of the squad going forward is Dembele. I think that on his first start, he was off the pace. He didn't really seem to link very well uh, with Sidibe going forward. Sidibe was the one that was providing more natural width and, and creating more danger with the way he crossed the ball. Sidibe in particular created a really nice chance for Fekir uh, in the second half that uh, the Leon striker couldn't unfortunately take. But uh, Really, a strong performance uh, from uh, from City Bay, but uh, Dembele, I think, with a combination of Coman, 
uh, and Lacazette being fit, I, I don't think deserves a place in this squad. Let him develop. Let him try and get France qualified for the 2019 under under 21 European Championship for a change. Um, and I think he needs just a little bit more seasoning. We've seen how that's really uh, jump-started the career. So the likes of Bakayoko, Rabio, Toliso in those midfield positions. Uh, Tom Lamar as well is another player who, who I think who's under 21 experience has served him really well. Uh, I think Dembele just needs a little bit more seasoning. Remember, he hadn't, he hasn't, even, he's barely played to under 21s to say nothing in the senior squad. And this is just a player who's certainly got massive potential. His his statistics for Dortmund and his performance at Rennes last season bear that out. But right now, uh, we're looking at a player who's just not quite there yet. I think he needs a bit more seasoning. Yeah, he needs a little bit more time in the oven yet. I think he's a spectacular talent. And and like you mentioned with Rabiot, I think I agree with you. He's been terrific for Paris Saint-Germain and and. France always need an extra couple of options in midfield with Matuidi maybe not playing as often and they need someone maybe in a 4-3-3 three, three if they're going to play that going forward. It is what Deschamps prefers to play at least and he's an excellent option for them to have. But let's talk about that qualify, the more important game, you might say. Um, a completely different side in this one as well. Um, they struggled for the first half and it and they went behind as well, but they got the result they needed. Is there something they can at least learn from this one or was the result paramount in this? Uh, I think a little bit of both. I I think that, uh, I think what we saw was a, I actually rewatched the match this morning. I was not able to watch it live. uh, So it's it's pretty fresh in my mind. I think that France in this instance were a little bit resting on their laurels, but it was good to see that them uh, snap out of it, if you will. And, and play to a really high standard, pardon me, uh, when called upon. Uh, Griezmann and Paye uh, looked very sharp up top, and I think that, you know, you know, France now having won this match are, are certainly in cruise control and the, the heavy favorites to, to win this group. I think we shouldn't discount that. But we also, you know, when it comes to competitive fixture, I, I think that <clears throat> results aside, if we're looking at France as being a contender slash perhaps even the favorite, for the World Cup in 2018, this result and today's result have to be taken as, as a negative. Um, I think that their sharpness was was lacking pretty badly, if you ask me. I think that we would want to see uh, just a little bit more of a cutting edge, a little bit more aggression, especially playing at home um, in, a, uh, in, a, in a match that uh, had that level of importance about it. Yeah, and I do want to talk about three players that did start that game and didn't play last night, and they have been contentious points in the past. and And I'll start with the for, uh, the current Arsenal striker Olivier Giroud starting up front. How how is he? And is he starting to find a place in this side, or or, or really is it something we should uh, Deschamps should think about cutting out of the team? I yeah, I, I don't. I, I understand his place. I think he needs to be in twenty three. Absolutely, but. Let's reflect on that, uh, the synthesis that we saw between the, um, pardon, pardon me, the synthesis we saw between Gamero and Griezmann when the two of them started uh, up top together. Uh, we haven't seen that. Griezmann obviously was uh, not included for uh, this evening's encounter, and I think that uh, the best France have seen, again, quality of opposition has to be taken here as a bit of a caveat. The best we've seen France is, is in that, that match against Bulgaria, uh, since the tournament anyway. I think that they were sharp, they were incisive, and the, the interplay in Gamero, of Gamero and Griezmann to stretch defenses, both of them e- using their pace, finishing ability, 
despite their small size, they both have good heading ability. So you're not missing that physical presence that Giroud can offer at set pieces. And both of these two players, despite being, oh, I don't know, 5'9", five, 5'8", five, uh, are still uh, you know, a dangerous presence uh, in, a, in a really multivalent way that I think uh, won't see France lacking anything without a, an orthodox target man. Yeah, it seems like it's Deschamps pushing that agenda forward. I, I, <laughs> I know it might sound strange to say, but I still think that someone in form like the Dest might be a, a better option, at least for qualifiers where you're you're trying to get results. But I do want to talk about a couple more. So another one is Mohamed Sissoko, who obviously had a good Euros, but has not played regularly really for Tottenham, and he's suspended for the next couple of games. Again, he was another one who had a relatively middling game, and and it seems unusual to include him in, especially in those wide positions where. Where France have so much quality. Um, I see where you're coming from, but at, at this point in time, I don't, uh, I don't know who would necessarily be a better option. Uh, I, I like Coman as a as an orthodox winger to stretch to stretch play, but we've seen Griezmann play play wide on the right, and we've seen him not be a success there. And I think that uh, for the time being, Sissoko, despite a disappointing start to his time with Tottenham, based on what he did this summer. And based on a lack of real competition for France, uh, I think that he does continue to deserve to start there uh, on the biggest stage. It's Again, it's admittedly somewhat regrettable. I, I think that Dembele and Coman both have fantastic potential, but between a combination of injury and just a, and just a general sense of youth, that neither of them are that player yet. Could that change by the time we reach Russia? Absolutely. But for the time being, Sissoko, regrettably, is a, is a deserved starter. Uh, despite uh, an uneven last couple of months. Mm, let's hope that it, that changes towards the summer. Um, and finally, the the another surprise is a player that wasn't even in the squad initially, and that's Patrice Evra, who did start at the weekend. How is he? And it's a strange one to call him up late and then include him. Do you think that maybe it was a harsh to leave him out if he played, performed well, or is he really nearing the end of his international career? You know what, Nathan, I, I'm going to have to backtrack on this. I've... I have uh, expressed recently that uh, I thought Evra was looked past at the tournament, but I think that he's shown in the performances for Juventus. I've seen him, I think, four times play for Juventus, twice in, in Serie A and, and, uh, and twice against Lyon this season, and he's been impressive every single time. Uh, he, he's not the force he was going forward, I'll, I'll admit that, uh, but his defensive abilities are, you know, Still as strong as they they ever were, if not better. Uh, he showed him, he showed himself to be equally adept playing as part of a three or as an orthodox left back with Juve, um, where he's never going to be a centre back for France. You know, perhaps that remains an option if if France have used all their substitutions in a competitive match. I think we'd sell that short either. I mean, that's part of the reason perhaps that Jeremy Mathieu had been had been called into the squad in recent times. Um, and I think that uh, Dina, well, he did have some good moments going forward. Uh, the other uh, this evening, uh, you know, doesn't offer as much protection. Still, you know, Evra at approaching thirty-six years old still is a better left back defensively than is Dean. Uh, <clears throat> pardon me. I mean, again, Krizawa, you know, no question that uh, the PSG player being fit and on form should be the number one starter. But I think that the solidity that Evra can offer the squad is uh, makes him the the favorite uh, ahead of Dean. Uh, as long as he can continue that injury. And, and this is the other thing, too, that the way he's being used by Allegri is, you know, even though Juventus are playing two matches in most weeks, uh, Ever is playing you know, perhaps two out of every five matches to this point. And I think that 
if the if the if the if his club manager, that is Allegri at Juventus, can continue to use Ever in this way and not overload him and overwork him uh, at his age, um, then he you know could perhaps save some of those legs and continue to be an important force, uh, an important factor for. Uh, for France leading up to the tournament, even at the age of 37 years old, which will be, I believe, uh, when the tournament starts. Yeah, and if he keeps dropping that to <coughs> Instagram fire, as the youngsters may say, that um, he might be a valued point of the squad for entertainment purposes as well. But we'll move on from international football and back onto league and action after we missed last week, unfortunately, due to technical issues. But we'll talk about the top three who have been shuffling uh, their positions this last couple of weeks. PSG and Monaco both had big wins. Only stumbled to their first defeat of the season at Caen. Uh, we'll start with the champions, Eric. Um, it, was it finally a statement of intent in that 4-0 win from Nui Emery's men? No. I think that PSG are yet to make a statement game in Liga. I mean, the, the matches with they've struggled, the draw with Marseille, the loss to Toulouse, the loss to Monaco. Um, I mean, again, Marseille are not what we would say a top-quality team, but uh, they've yet to have a decisive result against a fellow contender. I mean, it, they've been somewhat of a flat-track bully. And this is always the thing, right, that we can, we can look at PSG as, as you know, playing below par and hoping to sneak results thanks to Zlatan against you know, uh, badly outclassed opposition from the bottom half of the table. But uh, France has thrown up more surprises this season. Uh, nice and Toulouse are the obvious ones, but I think, you know, even Monaco have have probably outplayed expectations, um, you know, given the injury injury str- struggles they have and the, the improvement of likes of Bakayoko and Fabinho really coming to their own as a midfield pairing. And I don't think that um, I think that those teams are going to have struggled a little bit more with consistency just because they have a little bit less class than PSG. But PSG still have not shown me, shown themselves to me to be the best team in France. Um, and, I, and I think that they're not really even in that conversation. Uh, if you're to put, uh, those, put pit PSG against one of those uh, teams I mentioned, uh, Nice and Monaco, the other contenders, I, I think that they're a definitive third right now. I mean, the table says that, yes, but... Uh, they haven't shown that they can take that step up in class when they need to. There's been just a few too many nervy moments. We look at the start; their start against Ludogorets in the Champions League. Uh, both matches against Basel were quite nervy, and perhaps they shouldn't have gotten the results they did. Uh, similarly against Arsenal. Uh, the, the times at which this team has come up against truly class opposition this season, <clears throat> pardon me, they've been found wanting, and I think that that's, <coughs> Excuse me. Pardon me. Uh, that's something that Emery still needs to continue to work on: is to get this team into that next level. We, we, we've seen him get great improvements, uh, particularly from the likes of Adrian Rabiot, but uh, and Lucas Mora as well. I think has had a good start to the season. Uh, he's working harder defensively and, and continuing to score. But this team as a whole, uh, they haven't shown anywhere near their full potential yet. So it needs to be developed, I think, further. No, and I have to agree with you with that. I, I the, casting your mind back to that Ren game, and they they struggled for a, a good time until Ren practically gift wrapped them two goals, and that really killed any game off that was ever going to break out from that game. And that it was the inefficiencies of their opponents, it seems sometimes, rather than Paris Saint Germain influencing their will on their opponents, and 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 they've just really struggled to have that impressive marquee win, which could come in a couple of weeks against Arsenal if they're, if they're lucky, but 
we're unsure yet, but there is some good news out coming out of Paris Saint-Germain, and that's Prenzanel Kimpembe signing a new deal with the club. It's a good decision to tie him down for the long term, isn't it? Absolutely. I think that you know he's going to have to be the third defender for the next couple of years. Uh, I think Thiago Silva is still in fine form and still should start the biggest matches. But you know, as he, I think, is 32 this year, he'll need to be rotated. He'll need to be rested as, as PSG seek to balance uh, all these cups that they play in the Coupe de la Ligue, Coupe de France, as, as they start hotting up. Um, for PSG's involvement in the Coupe de la Ligue, for example, starts in mid-December. So uh, being able to have a reliable third defender uh, in the absence of David Luiz, who you know, perhaps doesn't fit that bill himself, uh, is going to be really important. I think that Kimpembe's performances, both for France's youth squads, and including a first national call-up, if not a first national selection, uh, makes him fully deserving of that. He, and he and Marquinhos, PSG, are really looking to have uh, a spine in place in terms of their, their center backs for the next 10 to 12 years. And that's something that <clears throat> very few clubs in the world can count upon, and especially having those two play at such a high level uh, at such a young age. You know, center backs are usually a position that we associate, <coughs> pardon me, players coming to their own a little bit later, but uh, the young ages of those two makes their achievements that much more impressive. And I fully expect Kimpembe to have supplanted Silva um, in the next couple of years. Yeah, and he's had a really good start to the season. And, and kudos to him for getting and earning himself that new deal when when given the opportunity for Paris Saint-Germain this season. But we'll move on to the current second-place team, and that's Monaco, who really thumped, let's say. <laughs> it's probably the kindest way to really put it against uh, Nancy at the weekend. They have Europe's best attack at the moment. They've scored 36 goals in 12 games. That's better than the 32 of Barcelona, the 31 of Real Madrid, the 30 of Liverpool, who all have played a game less but would need spectacular results to even match that. Is it surprising that a team that, Eric, we've thought is as incredibly defensive and solid and, and stern at the back, being such a creative and exciting outfit? Yeah, it is surprising. And this is the thing. If we look back at uh, the first strong team that Jardim had with Monaco, and that's the 2014-15 edition, the one that beat Arsenal and gave Juve all they could handle in the quarterfinals of the Champions League. Uh, that team's identity was defensive. It was it was too alone. It was Kondogbia, um, and it was that front three of uh, Ferrer, Carrasco, Marshall, and um, I'm sorry, uh, Bernardo Silva. Yes. So, uh, but that team was ultra defensive. It was it was built upon the strengths of, of the likes of Raji and Carvalho as well at center back. But you know, as those those last two in particular and too alone. Um, aced out of the squad, <clears throat> what we've seen is a more, much more dynamic team. And it's much more pleasing on the eye. We've got uh, accomplished attacking fullbacks in the likes of Mendy and CD Bay, who were brought in this summer. Fantastic acquisitions in both parts. Uh, you're going to get out of, that, out of those two players who are going to be in and around the France squad for the next 10 to 12 years and are, are going to be ambitious and hungry to take their chances in the Champions League and at the top level of, of football in Liga, uh, you know, and likewise, likewise the, the two young midfielders too, Fabinho and, and Bakayoko. Fabinho was fantastic last year, <clears throat> but Bakayoko is really getting his chance now that he's he's fit. I mean, this is a player who a lot of whom a lot was expected uh, prior to his arrival at Monaco. But I think what we've seen from this player is someone who, when fit, uh, has a, has a real chance to to be a part of that uh, of that senior squad. Maybe not in 2018, but perhaps perhaps heading into the Euros in 2020. 
I think that uh, his progression this, this season has been, you know, frankly astronomical, meteoric, whatever superlative term you want to use. And it just shows that really how much injuries had, had undone him, I mean, both from his time at Wren when he burst onto the scene uh, and in his Monaco career. He's had to deal with major injuries and, and playing behind the likes of uh, Tula Lawn and, and um, Kondogbia, both of whom, you know, I mean, Kondogbia at this point is, is you know, rel- relatively a non-factor, but Tulalan at the time, you know, was a very experienced French international, uh, was a natural leader on the pitch. It was going to be hard for a young player to find time uh, in that tactical system. John Matinho was playing as a central slash defensive midfielder at that point in time as well. Um, and just to see him come and blossom, uh, particularly this season, has been, you know, really hard. I mean, France just continues to, continues to be this well of uh, young talent. And I, I think, you know, Nathan, that's probably the main reason that you and I, you know, do do appreciate Ligue 1, do appreciate these teams, is that uh, France continues to turn out the, the world's best young talent. And I, why I hesitate to put, you know, Bakayoko in that very top bracket, he's, he's still, he's 22, he's not that young. But, um, you know, I think he's making up for last time right now when we've really got a fantastic player on our hands. And that's to say nothing about <clears throat> the return of uh, Germain to the fold after being on loan at, at Nice last season and, and Radimo Falcao's resurgence as well. I mean, there's just... So many positives we can take from this team, and I really uh, hope that they can continue to, to to press and be part of that that top three, and we can have a really entertaining title race in Liga for a change. Yeah, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna actually go out on a limb, and I think Bakayoko might make that 2018 squad. I thinking trying to think of the top of my head someone who could be a cover for Kante if they do play a defensive midfielder like that, and off the top of my head, other than possibly Rabiot filling in in that kind of role. I can't think of someone off the top of my head who could fill that role for France, in all honesty. Um, and you're right, he's been terrific. And I want to mention a player who's, you briefly mentioned at the end there, and that's Radamon Falcao, who's had that little kick of resurgence lately. He's scored four in two games. There was the double against uh, CSK in Moscow in the midweek, and then the double in the thumping of Nancy as well. He's been he's not got that speed anymore and you can tell when he tries to break forward there's not that sharpness there's not that quick zero to 60 that goes at about three seconds where he flashes past players and and that was really a big part of his game to really have that separation but the the, the cleverness is still there the touch is still there and, and finally that finish is coming back and the confidence and while I don't want to say he's absolutely back yet the the some of the goals he scored already I think it was the turn one against uh, Nancy at the weekend where he controls the ball and turns the corner and blasts it in. It's an absolutely lovely goal. Um, oh, no, that was the one against CSK, wasn't it? Yeah, sorry, apologies. That was the one against CSK. It was a lovely goal. And it's just nice to see a player that, you know, has had injury problems at Monaco beforehand. He had two awful years out on loan where it was probably best advised to really stay at Monaco, although he wanted to really sort of prove himself at that level. But, it was the wrong time and the wrong environments to bring him out. And it's good to see him slowly coming back and add him to Germain, who's not quite scored as many as he had at Nice, but he's still got that great bit of movement. I'm sure he'll come good as well. And them two uh, mentoring someone like Kylian Mbappé-Lotan, who's going to be a very special player, I think, um, who's scored and assisted like the week last weekend as well. Um, that can't be forgotten. And he's, Another one that, as 17 years old, is going to be starts to add to that frightening French attack that seems to get better and better. But if you haven't already seen the game yet, I I do recommend 
still people watch the first goal for, for Falcao because there's a wonderful moment between two non-sea defenders as one tries to stop the other from moving forward and the other's trying to grapple him away saying i'm i'm on your side don't hold me off it's 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 still it's it should be if they still did comedy dvds of football here in england it would definitely be on that list this week but uh, we move on to to nice this time and it was it was a weird game against con they they struggled to really create much they only had four shots in the entire game and con arguably had the better of the exchange but is this the end of the great run, Eric, or is this maybe just a simple stumble against a side that set up to beat them? Yeah, I think it was a stumble. We we saw Khan trot out this 5-3-2, 3-5-2, whatever you want to call it, um, with three orthodox center backs. And I think that as a result of that, uh, Nice really struggled to, to break this side down. Um, this is a team who uh, is a bit thin, to be frank. I mean, they, they, they've used a lot of these players in every single league match. Uh, the likes of Cyprian, the likes of Saar, um, have been Alison play have been played in almost every match, and and those who haven't been included, it's because of suspension or injury. Uh, factor in the Europa League on top of that, and it's been it's been a bit of a struggle for Nice to keep that balance. I think that <clears throat> the loss to Red Bull Salzburg is a positive thing. I think that their progression out of Europa League is, you know, all but impossible at this point in time. And that, you know, once that, once those exertions are over, uh, hopefully Nice can, you know, perhaps bring in a player or two in the winter window. Uh, if there is that the continued ambition in this project, I mean, certainly bringing in the likes of Balotelli and Balhanda, what their salary demands, Dante as well, what their salary demands must be, uh, shows a real statement of intent. And uh, once those, once those play, once they can add, add to that and create more depth, I don't see any reason why Nice couldn't continue. Uh, there's just a, such a fantastic uh, number of, of younger players here who I think you know really are still yet – we're yet to see the best of, despite their good starts to the season. Will, Will and Sepkin in particular has been really impressive, uh, but I think also the young uh, winger on, on loan from Juventus, Donis, um, is – I think he's someone who could be a key player as well. I wouldn't undersell him. Uh, Jean-Michael Serri has been uh, fantastic again. He's a leading assist, assist maker with six already. Um, from just a dozen matches played, that's a pretty impressive return. There's there's more to come from from Nice, and I think they just have to be cautious now about how, how they negotiate this. I mean, let's face it, <clears throat> Khan decided to play a different system, change from their four one four one that they habitually have played under Garand, uh, and to move to a five three two, and now that's a clear indication for me, and I think it should be for for Lucien Favre as well to recognize that, hey, you know. We've had a good a good start to the season. Uh, Meth not going unnoticed, right? They have a target on their backs now. They are the league leaders, and a team for a team to radically alter their tactics that's uh, that's a huge mark of respect. What we've seen we've seen other teams do that against the likes of PSG. Lille did that uh, a couple weeks ago in their Friday night match, playing a five four one, and Con did the same thing, <clears throat> and they were able to steal a march on Nice. Um, so it, it's going to be remain to be seen how how Fav deals with this in terms of player rotation, but I think having the Europa League off the table um, come the beginning of December will be a huge relief and allow this team to really knuckle down and and continue to push for Champions League contention. And let's remember, even before they added the likes of Cyprian uh, and Balotelli and Belhanda in the off season, they they weren't that far away. They were in contention up until the last three or four weeks of last season. So 
<clears throat> the core of that team, you know, minus Ben Arfa and Germain, and well, and Nepalis Mendy as well. I mean, there's there's been some changes, obviously. There, a lot of these players uh, should be hungry to repeat that success. Uh, yeah, and I think that's that's fairly fair to say. I think they they maybe need a little bit more depth. Kunchandri. I think they've missed Paul Bice since he's been out, and the the shift back to the form players at the back is sort of maybe open some ex- exposure of that defence and hopefully they can recover from it. But I thought there was a great um, quote from Johan Cardinal this week in Nice Martin, which is either we win or we learn and hopefully Nice learn from that loss. But I do want to talk again. It's another player, young player that's signed a contract and that's, you've mentioned him briefly and that's young Malang Saar has signed his first professional deal with Nice uh, last week. Again, that's another one that, they needed to tie down and he looks like he could be a really good defender as well. Absolutely. I mean, this is a player, <clears throat> pardon me. Sorry. <laughs> <clears throat> Sorry. Just getting over being ill here. Uh, who's, who's uh, been used as a, as a left of three center backs, but can also play at left back. He's got good energy, good, good motor. Um, I think that, uh, yeah, at, at, at his age to play center back, even when you've got an experience, the experience likes of, of Dante and, and Bice alongside you to help out uh, is tremendous. I, I think that we can't say enough. I mean, when we talk about the the feats of the likes of uh, likes of Alban Lafont at Toulouse, uh, but I mean, this is this is really a tremendous experience for this for this young man to come out of nowhere to have not have his name on his shirt. I remember the first match of the season against Ren, saying, "Oh, who's this guy? Okay, well, you know, I watched the match. Oh, okay, you know." He gets a goal. Eh, maybe it's a little bit lucky. People don't really know who he is. Uh, but he's continued on from that, that first match of the season in, in fine form. And I think that uh, you know he's earned, really earned call-ups from the French international setup. And I think that he really looks to be one for the future. And still, at the age of 17, you know, he could be six or seven years away from hitting his peak. And that's just, uh, frankly, a frightening thought. I think that Nice will, nice will do very, very well to hold on to him. Uh, or if they do sell him, you know, given the the, pri- the prices that have been paid for central defenders in the recent past, stand to make quite a mint on him. I think think about the fees paid for the likes of Abdenor and Akeem Mangala in, in the recent past, and we'd have to think that Sar is worth considerably more than either of the two of those. So he could be either a, a boon to Nice on the field or off the field uh, if they do decide to sell him. Again, I'm not advocating money moving out of Ligue 1, our, our players moving out of league on, but you know the the fact remains that Nice aren't going to be able to compete, compete with Premier League wages or those offered by the top clubs in Europe, the Bayerns, the Juve's, um, the the Real Madrid's. Yeah, ex- exactly. But it's it's f- f- be great to see him finally have a name on the back of his shirt, and uh, he did keep very um, down to earth. We'll say on this because he he did admit that he will be staying in his mother's house yet. He won't be moving out. The money hasn't quite got to his head yet. So uh, that's great to see as well. But we'll we'll move on to a team that's been impressing us in the last couple of weeks, although they did get bit 6-2 by Monaco a couple of weeks ago as well. And that's Montpellier, who brushed past Marseille on Friday, on the previous Friday night with an impressive performance. They've seen them sort of free-flowing. And and Eric, you think they could make a charge to the Europa League places in current form? I do. Uh, now, I know this sounds ridiculous, but given they're the worst defensive team in the league, uh, but I think that this team's really missed Daniel Congre. 
And if he can come back soon enough uh, and replace uh, St. Roof at the, at the heart of that defense, then you've got a really solid team. Uh, in Stefan sessegnon has been in tremendous form uh, since arriving. Morgan Sanson looks like the player he was two seasons ago, if not better, after a, an injury rack 2015-2016. Uh, just a fantastic, ener- full of energy player, willing to run with the ball, create tackles, play on the counter. Uh, I think in Steve Mounier, you've got a, a young a young striker who has the pace and energy that we have seen from Casimir Ninga that makes an ideal outlet for playing on the counterattack. But he also offers just a little bit more physicality, a little bit more aerial ability, which allows him to be more of a fulcrum, uh, a focal point, if you will, uh, at, at the head of that attack. And, yeah, in Riyad Budabuz, you've got a player who's arguably in the form of his career. Uh, which is saying something. I mean, he's an Algerian international. He's an, ex- an experienced player. Uh, but that goal against Marseille uh, a week ago, Friday, a week ago last Friday, was uh, to draw the ball up and hit that on the the half volley like he did was just a sublime bit of skill. I, I think that you're you're really building a complete team. I have some questions about right back. I don't, I'm not convinced by either Delplanya or or, or Vandenboer. Uh, but you know, in Liga, there is a real lack of focus on attacking football. And what Frederic Ants has done by setting the team up in this way with uh, Sanson able to play that shuttling role, moving back and forth between defensive midfield alongside the likes of Silla, Remy, uh, Shkiri, and to get forward and support Sanson, uh, or to get forward and support Sessignon, that is, uh, you're, you're really seeing a team in La Payade playing with a dynamism and an attacking intent that's really rare in all the teams except the very top, the Monacos, the PSGs, the Lyons, the Nices. And just because of that, I think that <clears throat> this team can really be buoyed by uh, a focus on, a, on an attacking play, a focus on having an attacking mentality. And we, we, we just haven't seen that. I mean, look at the teams that are consistently in the Europa League since Etienne. Okay. I mean, you know, Christophe Galtier, great manager in, in, in Loak Perrin. And Stefan Ruffier, he's got some of the, one of the best center backs and one of the best goalkeepers in France. But... Uh, you know, if Saint-Étienne were, were to play with more intent, could we have seen them in the Champions League one of these last five or six seasons under Gauthier's charge? And that's, that's a real question to be asked. The same thing could be said about those great Lille teams with, with Simon Kier and, 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 uh, and Marco Basha in the recent past at the heart of defense. If there were a little bit more attacking intent, if, if, if. But Hans doesn't want to take that, take that into, into consideration. And, yes, missing Congre has made things a struggle. I mean, conceding three to Dijon, Unfortunate team two to L'Oreal, unfortunate. Uh, getting pasted by Leon uh, after after Congre's injury was also unfortunate. And they lost five to one. But the fact of the matter is, if you go back and look match by match, with Congre and this team, uh, with the exception of losing to Saint Etienne three to one, uh, Montpellier haven't gotten hammered by anybody. And if they can turn around and show that attacking intent, uh, and again, the results against Marseille I think is a great illustration. A team that hadn't conceded yet under. Rudy Garcia to put three past them with ease. It could have been more. Um, is is really impressive, and I think that Frederic Hans has his team playing uh, at least going forward to the best of its abilities. And once Congre comes back and they can perhaps get a handle on that right back situation, maybe if they've got money or to get a player on loan in the, in the winter window, that would be great. Uh, but otherwise, yeah, I, mean, I I think there's no reason. They're only five points off the European places as it stands. Um, they're in good form. They're they're confident. 
And there's no reason Montpellier can't make a push up the table. I know, again, I know it sounds ludicrous given their defensive struggles, but uh, I think attack, that attacking mentality is, really has a chance to separate them from the pack, uh, as it were, uh, in Liga. Yeah, and, and and talking about Riyad Boudibouz, who's a, been a great player, really, and he's he's probably gone slightly under the radar in Liga for the successes he's had in previous seasons. And he's really come on again this season, especially early on. He's got six goals, two assists. He usually averages about eight assists a season. So say he stays on that and it's been a really, really good season for him. And he's he's got wonderful ability from set pieces. He's got wonderful feet. He's got wonderful control. And I did write a piece on him this week as well. And in that, I don't know if you might agree with this, Eric, and I, I want you to discuss this. I, I mentioned he might be for Premier League teams looking for a creative spark a budget Dimitri Payet. What would you think to that? Well, Payet operates more on the wing, but I, yeah, I mean, he's, he is of a similar mold in that he can score and, and assist. Uh, he's not, I probably, I mean, I give Payet the, the edge in, in terms of uh, being a set piece taker, but yeah, I, I think your, your point well stands. I mean, given the sorts of players we've seen come from, come from France uh, that are a little bit more undercooked, uh, not saying anything about their potential. I'm thinking like Sasaithe, Veritu, Wabi Kazri. Uh, Budibus is certainly cut above any of those players in terms of not only his, his potential within a, a more solid system, but, but also just in terms of his ability in general. Uh, I, I do think you're on the money with that. And finally, to sort of wrap up this Montpellier talk, I know I know you really like the look of uh, Steve Mooney as well up front, and especially after losing Casimir Ninga for what will probably likely be the majority of the season after he seemed to be striking form, it's important that they, they have a, a, another focal point to get them goals, and Mooney could be that man. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, you know, he's a, he's a young player. Uh, there have been some questions perhaps about his attitude, uh, I'm not saying in a, <clears throat> pardon me, in a, in a willingness to work, but in terms of his discipline. Uh, but you know, on loan last last season with Neem, he was a he, he was a great he was a good goal scorer. I think he scored, oh, I don't know, something like a dozen goals, had a handful of assists. Um, and and this is for a, a Neem team that weren't that good. Um, and you know, I think league. Let's face it, anybody listening to this podcast, if you've watched League Two. It it's <laughs> it can be really really hard going. I mean, I, I know that the league the experts we have for get friendship on news would would agree with me as well. And I I try to watch a match every now and then, but uh, between our you know our commitments in, in terms of this, it's a very dour and defensive league. To be able to score, uh, just to confirm now, it, it was eleven goals last season alone with Neem. Uh, to be able to score that amount is pretty impressive. And he's someone who just turned twenty two. Uh, again, he's got the right mix of power, pace, um, and I, I think there's there's really a lot to be said for this this kid. I, he's he's someone who's not had perhaps the best best opportunities with Montpellier. Um, I think the the move to Nîmes was the right one. He was able to be a regular there, get his confidence back, and he was understandably behind a healthy Ninga at the start of the season. But I think Ninga's return at this point is immaterial. I think that that Mooney, uh, you know, he's young enough that he can. Even if Montpellier do make a cup run in the Coupe de la Ligue or in the Coupe de France, he's young enough and hungry enough to be able to want to play twice a week and, and to continue to prove himself and improve upon that good form. Um, three goals at the moment. Uh, he scored. Uh, he scored, and uh, you know, there's there's no reason to think that that can't be more, uh, especially given that those those have come 
more recently, he had a, a really nice header against Stade Labourlois in the in the Coupe de la Ligue uh, about a month ago, and he can continue. Should he continue with that form, I think he can be a great focal point of Montpellier's attack, especially given that counter-attacking style. Yeah, absolutely, and he does look. I thought, especially in that Marseille game, he his movement and everything. He he does look like a more active player that does help the likes of Sanson and Boudibous and Sessegnon, who are breaking from those. Um, slightly further back positions to add them into the game. But we'll we'll finish this week with something that happened ju- just before the internationals, and that's Lorient appointed a new manager last week in former of Evian and Valenciennes man, uh, Bernard Cassoni. Um, a number of high-profile managers turned this one down, Eric. I mean, there's there was um, Hubert Fournier wanted to bring some staff and they rejected that claim, so he turned it down. Uh, Remy Gard turned it down, Ellie Bulk turned it down, Ronald Corbis turned it down. So in the end, after that uh, hit list, is, there, is this a good appointment from someone who's he's not been a manager for the last year? What What are you going to do? Lorient. All right, so I started to write a piece for the website on this, and then I was like, well, I, I, my initial focus was about Cassoni, and I said, okay, you know, he's a well-traveled manager, et cetera, et cetera. He's decent appointment he's got experience fine but the more the more I, I delved into it looking at, at at the comings and goings of players in Lorient the performances their the proclivities uh, particularly since the departure of Gorkouf this team is in real trouble and it's what it's down to is a lack of a lack of youth development of of uh, Lorient's current squad Benjamin Lecomte was an academy player, but he was bought at the age of 18, I believe from Niort. Uh, and I don't think of the current players, any of the other ones are academy players. Some of them were bought, yes, at a young age, um, and some of them are still young. Um, and this is regular players. I know there are some coming through, the likes of Gwenduzi and um, uh, Ben Camus. So there are a couple, but that's a frankly... <laughs> frightening statistic and even even PSG have you know the likes of Augustin, Kempembe, Rabio, and it's just I don't know just this this total lack of focus on youth uh is really hamstrung has really hamstrung Lorient and it puts them in a bad position and the thing is you can get away without having youth be an important component of your team if you're Monaco, they're they're another team that hasn't really had much, many of their own players come through, um, but that's because they have the money to do so. Every single other team that we can think of in Liga that's having that's having this level of success <clears throat> is doing it through their own academy and through buying buying players at a very young age. I'm talking 16, 17, 18 from other clubs. We don't see that with L'Oreal. They're trying to get players who you know, have had decent success in the past but aren't that young. Uh, I'm thinking like some of Jeremy, Jeremy Allier or uh, Mikel Siani. Uh, and it's just not coming off. There's no – you have this abject collection of prospects and, and, and veteran players. There's no cohesive way, way that this team is moving forward, and especially with the money this team took in over the summer. I mean, selling selling Guerrero, selling selling Indong for combined, I think, thirty-two million euros. Yeah, <sighs> that 
there needs to be a more cohesive, cohesive approach to this. I mean, if you're taking LADR on a, on a free, you're probably paying them considerable wages. The same with Mwemba, the same with Siani. These are players who played in, you know, play, clubs that are in European competition. Uh, not LADR, but certainly Siani and Mwemba with their time at, with Lyon and, and Lazio. There, then what is the overarching philosophy here? It's, it, I don't know, it, and the sell, the sell of uh, Coney last season as well. There's, it's just really baffling. I and I can understand why these players, why these managers are turning this down. This is a surefire ticket to relegation. Um, we say all oh, Lorient have the talent; they had this experience. I don't see it. <clears throat> Even if they stay up next year, <clears throat> you're going to deal with another year older. Sian, you're going to deal with. Like the Benjamin Lecomte, who is, you know, 25, 26, an interesting prospect, a solid goalkeeper. But how much longer is he going to want to? Is he going to want to stay? It's, yeah, it's a really disappointing state of affairs for a club that had, admittedly, overachieved under Gorkouf. But there's no attraction right now at this club. Um, the The gap between the older players in this team and the younger players that are coming through is is just is simply too big. And, you know, gambling on, on has-beens or never were. Sylvain Marveau, I know he's been injured, is another one. I just don't see it. I just, I really don't see it. And I think that, I think that this club's, there's no future here. Why, why would any manager who wants to continue to have a career in club football for the next five to ten years take this project on? Yeah, I'm, I'm secretly so glad you've said that after a couple of weeks and uh, of saying that, Lorient looked like maybe a disaster waiting to happen and everyone looking at the squad and thinking there's enough there. There's, I agree. There's just nothing. There's just not enough there from, from, uh, from youngsters. The prospects are either not going to be, they don't look like they have the talent level to make it that, that next step unless they move on extraordinarily. The experienced players are either not performing or are aging to the point where if they do stay up, they're going to struggle again next season because how do you get rid of them? It's a cesspool, and, and the fact that so many high-profile managers uh, sprinted away from this, even even when it, it looked like Hubert Fournier was going to get it, he still managed to wriggle a way out still as well. But uh, yeah, it's going to be a, a long, hard season for, that for Le Merleau, it seems. And that's all we have for this week, at least my thanks to Eric and for all of you listening at home. Uh, join us for the preview show hosted by Eric on Thursday. And remember to join us here, well, it will be Monday usually, at the same, the same time at least, on Monday next week. Um, Avianto and goodbye.